0: I don't have uh, a whole lot of voice left (laughs) after this week, at really the last two weekends. It's been uh, interesting, so Doug, go ahead and bring me up just a pinch, if you would, because I'm pushing to get out what I've got. There we go, that's better, that's better. I also have this really deep bass today, so this is what I'll sound like in heaven, (laughs) a bass. So uh anyway, it's been uh it's been a uh, it's been a a good couple of weekends. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32, that's where we'll be. <clears throat> and uh we are wrapping up our series in Exodus. We've uh, for uh 6 weeks we have Taking a a journey through this book we have talked about God's people we've talked about God's plans we've seen some uh, just some incredible some incredible things uh, throughout this book we've seen deliverance we've seen all kinds of stuff and uh, you see you see we're, we're looking at a large block of text today now then we're not going to go through all of those chapters so Breathe easy, yes, breathe easy. We're not going to do those. I don't have the voice to get through all those many chapters today. We're going to look primarily at one chapter in this, and then I'm going to give you the overview or a homework assignment and let you go read the surrounding chapters. And uh, they all kind of pretty much read about the same, and I'll tell you about those in just a few minutes. But as you see, the the message is called... The highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and <clears throat> I think we all understand what that means. And uh, yesterday and last Saturday, uh, for for me, for my family, we were experiencing some of the highest of highs. You know, I uh, have the, the pleasure of coaching with a, a good friend of mine named Elijah Miranda, who was here last Sunday with uh, with his with his family. And uh, <clears throat> I used to coach his son several years ago, and then he became my assistant coach a few years ago. And then he left me and went and got his own team, and then we faced each other last year for the first time, and he beat us 3 to nothing, And so I lost to my former assistant. Well, then the season progressed, and we had a rematch with them on the last day of the season. We played them again, and we avenged that loss 3 to nothing. So our record is one and one against one another, and I knew that I was going to have a lot going on in this particular season of my life, and I knew that uh, uh, managing a team by myself probably was not the best idea, so I just called Elijah, actually I saw him in grassroots, which is where I see him a lot of times, and I said, hey, what would you think about me and you just kind of teaming up this year? What about us joining forces? And so we, we did, and we had a really good Season. As a matter of fact, we played 10 games. We were undefeated all throughout the season. Uh, we went 9-0-1. No losses at all. We had one tie. And uh, the winner of the U8 league, those coaches were uh, selected to be the all-star team coaches. And so we turned in our all-star selections and then we won. so then we were named the coaches, which was kind of a cool thing. And it's kind of a, you know, a, a neat thing. And then we're kind of drawing the team and dealing with some of the ins and outs of that, of that, which was not always fun as you're telling some people yes and some people you got to tell no because we just only have so many spots. And two of those spots go to the coach's sons, and so that limits your spots even further. Well, then we started uh, practicing. <clears throat> we felt good about our, our team, and so we played in a tournament Last Saturday up in, uh, up in Albany, well that's how I would say it, I know most people might say Albany, I always have trouble with that one, so we played up in that city about an hour up the road from here, and we went up there and we played, uh, we played three games and we won all three of those games, we went to the championship game, we had to come back from behind and we won two to one to be the pre-district tournament champions. Well, we knew that this weekend, yesterday is the one that really mattered. It was the district tournament. Last week was just just a kind of a warm-up tournament didn't count for anything. Yesterday counted for something. Uh and we we needed to win and we going to we got to play the teams that we beat last week. And so the first matchup was us versus the team that we beat 2 to 1 in the championship game. And so it's a rematch and they're coming to Thomasville and they want to beat us because we beat them in their Turf, and it was uh, it was it was really it was a great game watching the kids go back and forth, and our team ended up winning again two to one. So we uh, we eliminated those guys, which put us into the championship game against a very tough team, uh, another team from the Albany uh, Lee County area, and so uh, we beat them last week one to nothing in overtime on a sudden death penalty kick. So it was a tough game against those guys and uh, we our, our kids performed. they did well and we ended up winning uh, we ended up winning that that championship game yesterday three to one and so as you saw from the picture our team is the uh, district three under eight co-ed champions and so uh... <clears throat> we were just elated by that you know our kids were going crazy and the parents and the fans and those of you that came out thank you for that But the fans were going crazy, and it was just, you know, it was just incredibly, uh, just an incredible moment to experience something like that. And if you've been a part of a team or or had something go your way like that, you know the joy that comes from that. It's like the the highest of of highs, and it was so good. And we were so proud of these kids who had, you know, I mean, they know each other, but they've only been playing together a few weeks, and now they're, you know, they're they're five and zero, and they're tournament champions and back-to-back weekends, and so to watch this, is, it's just been really incredible, and it's been such a blessing to, to, to work with Elijah and to work with, uh, with all of our, our kids on these teams, and so we experienced the, the, the highest of, of highs, and at the same time, you know, I went through the whole range of emotions yesterday, uh, and so those of you that were at the game, you saw a lot of those emotions that we don't need to t- talk about, Because you saw them, um, and you hear the results of them in my voice. Um, But we, you know, experienced the full range of emotions, and so it was just elation on one end, and then, you know, it's funny how a day can start one way, and then it can take a turn. You ever had a day do that on you, where a day starts out really good, and it takes a turn, and last night it took a turn, and and instead of elation, it was just sorrow, and just sadness, and uh, it just... Uh, some things happened that where yesterday morning we're experiencing the highest of highs and last night was the lowest of lows. And one day I'll tell you about that. Today is not the time for that. But it was just one of those days where you're going through this complete range of emotions where you just feel so happy, so high, so lifted up, and then at the same time something happens and you just, it's almost like everything's been pulled out from underneath. You know, and it's, it's all you can do to, to get up and stand. And I think as we, we move through this, this book of, uh, of Exodus, we see some of these things. We've seen some of the highest of the highs as God has worked, as He has seen His people who were experiencing the lowest of the lows as they were, impre- uh, they were oppressed and enslaved by Pharaoh. They cried out in their oppression. They cried out as they were being beaten and forced to build supply cities and, and forced to, to just construct these grand works of, uh, of Egypt. And they were experiencing the lowest of the lows. And then God raised up this leader, this leader named Moses, who went and did some incredible things on behalf of God. He went and he performed these wonders and these signs. And, uh, and the Israelites got to see that God had not forgotten them that God had not left them alone that he was working on their behalf and you saw him perform all of these incredible signs and they would just be amazed and finally they were delivered God delivered his people out of 400 plus years of of slavery 400 plus years of oppression and they get to the the you know the kind of the climactic moment where they get into exodus 14 and they cross the red sea And Pharaoh's army is given one final chase because they realize they've made a huge mistake in letting their workforce go. And as they enter into the sea on the dry ground, God says, okay, that's it. And Moses drops his hands. Aaron and Hur release, because they're helping him hold his arms up, and they release his arms, and the Red Sea washes over, and it covers the Egyptians, and it destroys this oppressive, evil army of, uh, of pharaoh and what you had in chapter 15 was the song of moses that victory chant that we talked about a few weeks ago and it's them experiencing the highest of highs experiencing god almighty experiencing his his hand in the way that he has moved for them and the way that he has delivered and brought them out of, of of captivity and so now he's moving them on a journey and he's going to get them to sinai and that's where go- they're going to set up and they're going to be there for several months and they arrive and moses goes up on the mountain of god up there with god and he's given those those things that we talked about two weeks ago that the ten commandments those those ten sayings that that have to do with how we deal with with god and how we deal with with one another and they sort of launch the trajectory for the rest of the the book of the covenant that that Moses is is going to receive from God and so they're now are they're heading toward Sinai and they arrive there and the people can only go so far they have to put like a fence or a a hedge or something around the mountain because they're not supposed to go up where God is only Moses is allowed to ascend and go up and and see and and be with God and so Moses is up there and he is dealing with God and what you have what you have in chapters really chapters 25 through 31 is you have God talking about his dwelling place okay because now these people they don't have a home they don't have a land that they can call theirs now we know that they're on their way to to Canaan they're on their way to the promised land the land that was promised to their forefathers Years and years and years ago, going all the way back to to Genesis chapter 12, when God plucked this little guy named Abram out of this land named Ur, and he says, I'm going to make you a great people. I'm going to make your people as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sands on the shore. You're going to just multiply and multiply and multiply. I'm going to give you a land that's flowing with, with milk and honey. And now they're headed that way. And so God is up on the mountain, or He's down on the mountain, and Moses is up on the mountain with God, and God is giving him these laws. He's giving him this this book of the covenant. He's giving him the Ten Commandments, and He says, I want you to set up a dwelling. I want you to set up My tabernacle, and My presence is going to dwell within that tabernacle. And so you read those chapters from 25 through 31 and it is very detailed and it's very intricate. And all of the, just the just the, the, the very artistic, beautiful, incredible, fine work that had to go into the tabernacle. It's not like they could just throw up a tent and say, okay God, here's your place, come on in. God had very specific instructions for how He wanted it. He, had it, he wanted it constructed of, of certain materials. Okay, and there's, uh, there's artisans that were brought in to work with the metal and work with the gold and to shape it just the right way. And they had to build this, this ark that the covenant is going to be placed in. And they're going to set up this very beautiful tabernacle. And I, w- I would encourage you to go and, and just read Some of those chapters. Read about what they had to do. Read about the the garments that Aaron and the priests wore and just how intricately they were woven together. And just kind of picture in your mind what those must have been like. And imagine a people that is on the move out in the middle of nowhere, out in the wilderness, having to pull all of these resources together to build God's dwelling. And so that's what God is telling us. Moses, and he's up there on the mountain, and you can imagine Moses is just trying to take all this stuff in. He's trying to listen to everything that God is saying. And I imagine that, that it might have been overwhelming for Moses because when I read about those requirements for that tabernacle, I get overwhelmed about it. Okay, I get overwhelmed thinking about everything that was required. And as God is talking to Moses, it's almost as if he says, Moses, turn around and look over your shoulder. Turn around and, and, and look back down the mountain and see what the people are doing because the people while they have experienced the highest of highs they're now slipping back into the lowest of lows we talked a few uh, weeks ago about the the Ten Commandments and you will have no other gods before me you will have no graven images and i told you two weeks ago i said the israelites are going to blow this one miserably and as you get into chapter 32 in the midst of all of these these in ornate uh, these ornate details about the tabernacle they're sandwiched on either side you got the the first few chapters talking about how to build it you have chapter 32 33 34 and then you have 35 through 40 where they're actually doing it but you have these chapters right in the middle where you have the theological thrust, the, the pastoral language and teaching material of the rest of the book. And it's right here in the middle of this as they're trying to put together or as they are trying, should be working on pulling together God's dwelling that they absolutely blow it. And they come to, to Aaron. The people do in chapter 32. I just want to walk through chapter 32. It says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us, who shall go before us as this Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We don't know what has become of him. Now think about what these people have seen. Think about the things that they have experienced as they saw the wonder of of the plagues that God brought upon Egypt as they not only saw but participated in the exodus. They've received manna from heaven. They've had quail provided by God every single day. God is watching over them. Okay, and then Moses is going up there talking with God, and the people get restless. They forget who God is, I think. They forget what God has done. And you've heard me say over and over and over again throughout this series that one of the things that I think is the major thrust of this whole story is do not forget who I am. Don't forget who God is. And yet that's exactly what you have the people doing. And so they come to Aaron and they say, Where is this Moses? Why don't you make some gods for us? And Aaron, sort of second in command, who has been right there with Moses, who has stood before Pharaoh, who at one point was the spokesperson for Moses, says, yeah, I'll do this. Verse 2, Aaron said to them, Take off the gold rings that are on your, the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings from their ears and they brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from them and formed it in a mold and he cast an image of a calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Can you imagine that? Now then, a few weeks ago I... I I sort of tipped you off to something that I, that I said I was going to come back to. This is a people who has been enslaved for 400, 430 years, something like that. The people have said, make us gods. What was Aaron's response? Bring us your what? Your gold. Bring us your silver. Enslaved people usually don't have a lot of stuff like that, Right? So where did that stuff come from? Yeah. Remember a few weeks ago when they were leaving? When they were leaving Egypt? And God said, or that Egypt uh, Exodus 12 says, the Egyptians urged the people to hasten their departure. They said, "We shall be dead." So the people took their dough before it was leavened, with their kneading bowls wrapped them up in their cloaks. The Israelites had done as Moses told them. They had asked the Egyptians for the jewelry of silver and gold. The Egyptians funded that trip. The conclusion that I think we can draw, you know, they they, they obviously are not going to have any possessions of their own. Where did they get the gold to create these things? They got them from the Egyptians. And so they brought them to Aaron and he melted them down. And you know, the calf was probably carved out of wood, and it was overlaid with just this, this thin, this thin layer of, of gold. And so God says, Moses, go down at once. Verse 7: Your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, have acted perversely. And then God's anger flares, and he wants to destroy. The people. He says, I want to kill them. Verse 10, he says, Now let me alone so that my, my wrath may burn hot against them, and I will consume them, and of you I will make a great nation. You see what God wanted to do there? He wanted to hit the reset button on this. He wanted to destroy all the Hebrews, all the Israelites that are down there at the bottom of the mountain that are participating in this, this rank idolatry He tells Moses, I'm going to wipe all of them out and I'm going to start over with you. And then we see the confidence of of Moses where he says, why should the Egyptians say, if it was with evil intent that you brought them out to kill them in the mountains and consume them from the face of the earth, turn your face, turn your fierce wrath, change your mind and do not bring disaster on your people." And he reminds them of the covenant. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Israel, your servants. You swore by your own self, saying that I will multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and all this land, and I will have promised and I'll give this to your descendants, and they shall have it and inherit it forever and ever. God is being reminded by Moses of the covenant that he makes with people. And verse 14 says, And the Lord changed his mind about the disaster that he had planned to bring, on his, to bring on his people. And so Moses begins to head down the mountain. He has is, he is talked God out of his plot to kill the people. Okay, He's changed the mind and the heart of God. And so he goes down and he draws near and they begin to hear this music. Joshua says something about it. And verse 19 says, As soon as he came near the camp, and he saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets from his hands, and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. That's the Ten Commandments that that's talking about. The Ten Commandments that were given to Moses, Moses sees the people, and he takes those tablets, and he throws them down in full view of the people, and they shatter But there's a, And there's some symbolism there. Those tablets being broken symbolizes the covenant that the people have broken. Because they are to have no other gods before Jehovah God. They are not to have any graven images, and yet they have created this calf, and they have proclaimed that it was this golden calf, this idol that has brought them out of the land, now then watch this, verse 20. He took the calf that they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Have you ever noticed that verse before? Ground it into powder, powder put it in the water, and said, drink this. To me, that's, that's God's way, that's Moses' way of showing what they think of false gods. That your gods, your gods are going to be reduced to excrement. Because that's ultimately what they're going to be. And so he, he does this. Moses said to Aaron, what did this people, what did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Now then watch what Aaron says. Don't, don't let the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people. They are bent on evil. They said to me, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. So I said to them, whoever has gold, take it all. So they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Yeah, because that happens. When Moses saw that the people were running wild, for Aaron had let them run wild to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, "Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. All the sons of Levi gathered around him, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you. Go back and forth from gate to gate throughout the camp. Each of you. Kill each your brother, your friend, and your neighbor. The sons of Levi did as Moses commanded and about 3,000 of the people fell on that day. Moses said, today you have ordained yourself for the service of the Lord. Glad we don't ordain ministers that way now. Each one at the cost of a son or a brother. And so you have brought a blessing on yourselves this day. Moses is going to go and he's going to try to make an atonement. Verse 31, so Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold, but now if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, blot me out of the book of life or the book that you've written. Moses is saying, God, please forgive their sin." But if you won't forgive their sin, then make my fate the same as theirs. Because I'm their leader. And I'll go down with them. So if you're not going to absolve them, if you're not going to cancel this debt, then I want their debt to be upon me as well. If you're going you to blot this out, or if you're going to blot them out of the, your, your book, then I want you to do the same thing to me. But the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place which I have spoken to you. See, my angel shall go in front of you. And nevertheless, when the day comes for punishment, I will punish them for their sin. Then the Lord sent a great plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. And so you have that story right in the middle of these readings, these instructions about the tabernacle. You have the instructions of the tabernacle. You have this stuff that happens in Genesis 32 through 34. And then you in 35, the rest of the chapter, you have those instructions about the tabernacle being carried out. And so they build this dwelling. They've cleansed the the, the people that were involved in this rank idolatry. Maybe refused to turn back. I don't know how they were chosen, but somehow they were. God says to Moses, lead this people. Stay with this people. Take them to the place that I've told you about. Do the things that I've told you to do construct my dwelling because I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell among you. That's a God that loves even in the midst of horrible sin. That's a God that continues to love even when we choose to do our own thing, when we choose to to disobey. (coughs) When we choose to deliberately, deliberately follow our will instead of the will of God. And so this happens. And then Moses begins to lead the people out, and so thou they begin to construct this tabernacle, and they bring in all of the artists, and they bring in all of the woodworkers, and they bring in all of the tailors, and they begin to build this ornate. Beautiful tabernacle. Verse 35, it talks about the people as they began to, or chapter 35 talks about the people beginning to to give. And I guess by this point, they realized you know what? We do need to listen to God because He is a great God. And the highest of highs we've experienced when we were trusting in God and the lowest of lows that we experience are because we trusted in ourselves. And so they began to give. They began to give everything that was needed for the tabernacle, and they gave abundantly. 35, starting in verse 20, all the way down through the end of the chapter, kind of talks about the things that they gave. But then you get into 36, and listen to this. It says, so Moses gave the command, because the people just kept giving. They kept providing. So Moses gave the command, and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else. As an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. For what they had brought was already more than enough to do all the work. Do you think they recognized who God was at that point? Do you think they finally remembered who this is? That he is the great I am? The one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. It said they gave so much, they had to tell them, stop. We've got too much. Wouldn't it be great if our churches were like that? If we had to say, stop giving. Stop. Stop serving. Stop giving. We've got too much. That's exactly what they did. And I think it's because they finally grasped who God is. Now they're still going to blow it. And they're going to blow it magnificently as this story continues. So much so that a whole generation of them aren't even going to make it into the promised land. Moses included in that number. But in this moment they get it. He is the The great I am. And so they they construct this tabernacle. You go all the way to chapter 40. Let's just read. Let's just read the last half of that chapter. Starting in verse 16. Moses did everything just as the Lord had commanded him. In the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was set up. Moses set up the tabernacle and laid its bases, set up its frames, put up its poles, raised up its pillars, and he spread the tent over the tabernacle. And he put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the covenant and he put it into the ark. And he put the poles on the ark. And he set the mercy seat above the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle. And he set the curtain for the screening, and he screened the Ark of the Covenant as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle, outside the curtain, and he set the bread in order on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite of the table south, on the south side of the tabernacle, and he set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the curtain and he offered fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He also put in place the screen for the entrance of the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle in the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and He put water in it for washing with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set up the court around the tabernacle and the altar and He put up the screen at the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Now then watch this, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the Israelites would set out on each stage of their journey. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle day by day. And fire was in the cloud by night before the eyes of all of the house of Israel at each stage of the journey. God comes and He dwelt with His people in the tabernacle. Okay, this harkens back to creation. In creation in the Garden of Eden, God wanted to dwell with His people, did He not? But He had to drive the people out of the garden. In an act of grace, He had to give death. Because if He allowed them to stay in the garden, they would have eaten of the tree of life and they would have remained alive in an eternally fallen state. And so in an act of grace, God allowed mankind to die so that they would not remain in that fallen state for all eternity. In the tabernacle, we see God once again joining His people. Wanting to be with His people even when they fail Him. Even when they blow it miserably. So where is God? The seeming absence of God begins in Exodus. Exodus ends with the presence of God being manifest at the tabernacle in a very powerful way. Philip Camp asks, Who is Yahweh? He is a God who desires and makes possible His presence among His people, yet whose holiness is maintained. The book of Exodus It's about moving from slavery to worship. And what we see, no matter what we've done, that God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will never abandon us. He is always with us, even when we fail Him spectacularly. And we will. And we have. Yet our God will stay with us. And that's a God worth following. Let's pray together.